0: Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Michelle Leslie. And I'm Amy Spreeman. Well, Michelle, what did you think of our new bumper music for Christmas? (laughs) Well, I thought it was just really... Rough, <laughs> but uh, woof, woof. rough, but but uh, funny, but funny. You yeah. know, it's the classic dogs barking, jingle bells. You know, some people love it, some people hate it. Every year, I hear, oh, I hate that song so much, but some people uh. think it's funny. So.
1: <laughs> well, I'm a dog lover, so you know it doesn't bother me that much. Some songs do, some don't. But when you know when it comes to Christmas music, there are some songs that you and I absolutely love, and others eh, not so much. So uh, tonight, uh, Michelle and I thought we'd have a little bit of fun, and that we would share with you just a few of our favorite Christmas carols and songs, and then there's some other songs we're going to share that we could probably do without. And we're going to put the links to each of those songs in the show notes. So, Michelle, which Christmas song? is at the top of your list of favorites
0: well for me it just wouldn't be christmas without hark the herald angels sing that one is my all-time favorite Amy, do you remember our 2022 episode called Christmas Mythbusters? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the items that we talked about in that episode was whether or not the angels who appeared to the shepherds actually sang, because the Bible doesn't explicitly say that they did. Luke 2.10 says, and the angel said to them, and then verse 12 says, the angels were praising God and saying, but there's no reason they couldn't also have been singing. So hark, maybe the herald angels really did sing. We just don't know. <laughs> but that aside, the reason that this um, this is my favorite Christmas song really has nothing to do with the angels themselves. It's actually because this hymn is saturated with good, deep, Theology. It's very, very gospel centered. And here are just a few of my favorite phrases that are so gospel centered from the three stanzas that most of us are familiar with. There's the phrase, God and sinners reconciled. You know, that's why Jesus came to earth. And then, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. I mean, that's the incarnation right there. You know, Christ coming and putting on flesh. The, the word made flesh and then mild he lays his glory by born that man no more may die oh my goodness that's just so great yeah. and then it says born to raise the sons of earth born to give them second birth he came to give us new life and i just love the way that those those phrases and those those stanzas uh, just really embody the gospel um, that's so great to me and you know as I mentioned there are three stanzas to this song which are the ones that are most often used and published but did you know that there are at least two additional stanzas I mean there might be more I'm not really sure but I know there are at least hmm. two additional ones uh, yeah and those two are just as beautiful and chock-full of gospel centered theology as the others so let me read them to you real quick the the next one is Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. There's your Genesis 3 right there, the galleon, Yes. Now display thy saving power. Ruined nature, now restore. Now in mystic union join, thine to ours and ours to thine. So that's really beautiful. And then the, the other one is this. It says, Adam's likeness, Lord, efface. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate in us thy love. Let us thee, though lost, regain thee, the life, the inner man. O to all thyself impart, formed in each believing heart. Isn't that gorgeous? It's like singing a syst- That is beautiful. Yeah, it's like singing a systematic theology book. I just really <laughs> love it. It is, too. You know, and, and I'm not as
1: familiar with those two stanzas. I'm going to have to look in our hymnal uh, this Sunday in church to see, uh, because we're singing all Christmas carols now, you know, mm-hmm. in December. And uh, I, I just love to read the from the hymnal and, and be able to see some of those extra stanzas. So I'm going to be definitely
0: looking for those. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that. they're really beautiful. I think I, I have sung those a couple of times in church, but they're not, you know, they they're not the familiar ones, but they certainly are beautiful. Right. Well, what about you, Amy? What's your favorite Christmas carol or song?
1: Oh, you know, there's so many classics, and right now I'm playing them all. I I, I love the instrumental versions that I'm playing. I've got a Pandora account, so uh, I babysit that one and make sure that it's just you know beautiful music all the time and very relaxing. Uh, but I really like the first Noel, Oh Holy Night. Um, I especially mm-hmm. right now I'm liking the hymn Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Uh, we yeah. sang that last year for a ladies' event in church, and I got to learn the alto part. So, uh, soprano friend and I uh, sang that during this uh, event that we had and one. Saturday and um, just really enjoy the words to that. But my all time favorite is still always going to be uh, Silent Night. And Mm. just take a listen to this. That was performed by the Winchester Cathedral Boys Choir. Wasn't that just beautiful? I just yes. love that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this one was written in eighteen. Uh, 18- 1916. Silent Night was. It was written in Austria, not really as a Christmas song per se, but as a poem by the Austrian priest Josef Mohr called "Stille Nacht." Uh, my late father-in-law used to sing the entire thing in German to us mm. at Christmas time. Uh, not very well, but I loved that man, and he was just <laughs> awesome. So, uh, but the original poem was about uh, peace after a brutal war there, and then two years later, so the story goes, uh, when the church organ broke down on Christmas Eve in 1818, Joseph asked Franz Gruber to compose a melody to the poem. And so Gruber wrote this arrangement in one afternoon. And uh, later that night, the congregants gathered and sang that tune along with uh, a children's choir and a guitar for accompaniment. So thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's, it's such a great story. You know, I remember when I was a little kid, we watched an animated movie on the story behind Silent Night and, you know, the organ breaking and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we watched it in school. And I actually found it on YouTube and and watched it. And this thing is mm-hmm. so old that somebody put it on YouTube by recording their, their um, VHS tape of it. <laughs> So um yeah, and and you watch it and there's all kinds of things about God in it and stuff like that. So that'll tell, you know, we watch that in school. So that'll tell you how old I am that we were able to yes. watch stuff like that in public school. Um but we'll we'll um we'll put the link to that little video in the in the show notes for you listeners. A little Christmas present from us to you. Yes. And um yeah, and Silent Night is is a hymn with good theology Al- also, you know, at our church and I I think other churches may do this as well, but at our candlelight Christmas Eve service, it's the very last thing, the very last thing that we do is sing Silent Night and we each light the candle of the person next to us and it's just so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we usually do it a cappella. And my church can sing, so <laughs> it sounds just gorgeous.
1: <laughs> I bet it does with all the harmonizing. Uh, we, our church, does that too. In fact, uh, when we it go is. to the uh, Minnesota, when we go to the Twin Cities for Christmas, there's always one church that we go to that does a very good job with that. And you know, by the end of all of the stanzas, the whole church is lit up with just the candles, and uh, even the kids have them. So it's a miracle nobody burns anything. But uh, it, yeah. it is such a special <laughs> moment. So. Uh, And I think that people who maybe were dragged to church who don't really know the Lord will get something out of it. They'll get the Mm -hmm. theology of the song. They'll get just how special that moment is to believers to be able to uh, sing that together. It's just so neat. Uh, All right. Well, that was one favorite for each of us. Uh, Michelle, what is a Christmas song that has you most um, eager to scramble for the off button on your radio?
0: (laughs) Well, there are so many to choose from, but I think for me, one of them would have to be Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And the absolute oh, yeah. worst cover of it is definitely Bruce Springsteen. And I say that as a as a teenager of the 80s, but it's true. Yeah. So listen to this if you can. <laughs> oh, the boss. Here we go.
1: Yeah,
2: you better watch out. You better not cry.
0: Now, a number of our listeners would probably say Santa Claus is Coming to Town is their least favorite because they're just, you know, they're not pro-Santa all the way around. They're sort of anti-Santa. And that's, you know, totally understandable. In fact, a couple of years ago, we interviewed Justin Peters about his booklet, Santa Pause. And there are a lot of biblical problems with the way that some parents do Santa Claus with their kids today. And one of those biblical problems is embodied in this song. You know the chorus. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good My for goodness sake. sake. Yes. <laughs> yes. Santa supposedly sees every child on the planet and knows what they're doing 24-7? Uh-uh. No way. That is called omniscience. And omniscience is an incommunicable attribute of God. That's something only God is capable of. He is the only one who has the power to see and know all things, and it is an insult and an affront to him to even suggest that a mere mortal, let alone a fictional character, has the same power and knowledge that he has. In reverence and awe for God's preeminence, we should never ascribe to others the things that belong to God alone. So that's why, even though it has a catchy little jingle, I do not like that song. I have to agree
1: with you, Michelle. And there's many different versions of it. And I grew up uh, on those old 1960s and 70s cartoons and little animations of Santa Claus is coming to town. And and it's just, Mm -hmm. uh, I I think there was one uh, that even had some sort of a a weird, uh, like hippie groovy scene in it. I can't even remember now where Mrs. Santa Claus was this, uh, school teacher who it was just really weird. And anyway, uh, that, that, uh, that cartoon alone still haunts me, but I grew up with that, that <laughs> theology that Santa can always see if you're good or bad and kind of a, you know, a control thing for the parents who, you know, just were, right. I guess up to their wits end, uh, not being able to control their children on all those sugar cookies and <laughs> just, yes. uh, yeah, it's cringeworthy when you look back for sure
0: uh theology wise so yes yeah absolutely all right amy i gave mine what's that christmas song that you just can't stand
1: oh there are so many like you michelle it's it's always a toss-up um I You know, the runner's up for me, John Lennon's Happy Xmas, The War Is Over, yes. right up there, <laughs> along with that dreadful Mariah Carey song that I just, I, I won't even mention it. Um, anything <laughs> by Pentatonix, uh, Christian, yes. anything by them, just uh, 86 them, and um, Christmas Shoes. Sorry, that one is just <laughs> very cringy to me. But I, I think for me, um, the all-time worst song is Barbara Streisand's version of Jingle Bells. I I think you might agree, here's why.
3: Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle, buzz, jingle, buzz, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. We're dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. All the fields we go laughing all the way. Hey, buzz and bobtail ring making spirits bright. Oh, what fun it is to sing a sleighing song tonight. Oh, jingle, buzz, jingle, bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle, buzz, jingle, bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. A day or two ago. I thought I'd take a ride. And soon Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. The horse was lean and lank. Misfortune seemed his lot. He got into a drifting bank. And then we got upset. Upset? Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way! Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh! Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way! Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh!
1: Oh, Michelle, this is not even music in my opinion. It's like Babs was just bored one day and she thought, "I know, I'm going to go make a ton of cash giving the world some hair-raising, angst-ridden cardiac palpitations or something." I mean, that's what I mean. It just makes me anxious to hear that song.
0: Yeah, I felt the same way when I was listening to it. I mean, there are songs that I hate more, you know, but that is just not good. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I'll, not. I'll give her two things, you know, benefit of the doubt. First of all, the orchestration is really, really good. It's got a nice texture to it, you know, if you're into that angst ridden cardiac palpitations thing. <laughs> But then number 2, I'm a professionally trained singer. That's what I was that's what I was going to do for a living many, many moons ago. <laughs> and I can tell you it's very difficult, especially for drawly twangy little girls from the south to <laughs> yeah, to enunciate and articulate as clearly as she does at that tempo. I don't think I could do that. So the girl has chops, but yeah, that's a jingle bell train wreck. I mean, the second <laughs> verse where she alternates back and forth between fast and slow is, and I say this in all seriousness, it's sort of a musical illustration of what bipolar disorder is like, you know, going back and forth between the high and the low. But uh, as as informative and helpful an illustration as that is, that's not what most people are looking for in a Christmas song. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, I have people who know that that's my, but that song is my pet peeve, and they'll send it to me every year. You know, they'll oh, text no. it to me, or <laughs> you know, or they'll send up me a private message with that that lovely YouTube videos. So yeah, we we unfortunately will be including that in our show notes today, Michelle, so that uh, the rest of you can just um, be amazed when you see it.
0: Yes, and I'm so sorry. You have to go back through that and edit it. <laughs>
1: I do. I'll be listening again and again. I think Thanks a lot for this. This was Michelle's idea, by the way. <laughs> oh, anyway, well, let's go back to some favorites. I think that we need to do a little palate cleansing here. Yes. Michelle, what's your second favorite Christmas song?
0: Well, my second favorite one is one that most people probably aren't familiar with. So for this one, we're going to go ahead and play the whole thing. And it's called It's About the Cross. Mm-hmm.
4: It's not just about the manger where the baby laid. It's not all about the angels who sang for Him that day. It's not just about the shepherds or the bright and shining star. It's not all about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross. Sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. How we sell
0: Amy, I can hardly listen to that one without crying. You know, that line, Mm -hmm. every drop of blood that flowed from Him when it should have been me. That just almost brings me to tears every time. It just stabs me right in the heart and makes me so deeply grateful for what Jesus did for me on the cross. And ladies, He did it for you, too. I know most of you in our audience know that you've been born again and you belong to Christ, but maybe in God's providence, you stumbled across this episode and you don't know Christ. Or maybe you think you're saved, but you aren't because you've gone to some so-called church or listened to some so-called preacher or Christian celebrity who didn't tell you the truth about how to know Christ. Well, Amy and I want to make sure that you hear the truth today. And the truth is, You're a sinner. You were born in sin and rebellion against the holy God of the universe, and you've also willfully chosen to break his law. You've lied. You've wanted and taken things that didn't belong to you, which is called coveting and stealing. You've lusted after someone, which Jesus said is committing adultery in your heart. You've been sinfully angry, which Jesus says is committing murder in your heart. You've dishonored your parents. And that's only six of the Ten Commandments. Hmm. James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. So you're guilty of breaking all of God's law. When you break the law, justice must be meted out. And the just punishment for rebellion against God is an eternity in hell, which all of us, all of us richly deserve. And you can take that eternal death sentence for your sin and serve it yourself if you want to, but I wouldn't recommend it because God, who is rich in mercy, has provided another way out, a better way out. He sent his son Jesus to earth to live a perfect, sinless life so that he could take your death penalty for you. And that's just what he did on the cross. He died in your place. He took the punishment for your sin. And then he rose bodily from the grave on the third day afterward. If you want to be right with God and have your sins forgiven and stand clean before him now and when you die, you get right with God, you get with him, you confess your sin, You confess your rebellion against him. You sorrowfully turn your heart and your life away from sin and toward him, believing that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection paid the penalty for your sin. And you ask him to save you, and he will. You don't know when your life will be required of you. Your heart could stop in the next five seconds right while you're listening to this podcast. Jesus could come back tomorrow. Anything could happen and then it'll be too late. Do not go one more minute without repenting and believing the truth of the gospel. And that's the heart of the song, It's About the Cross, and that's why it's one of my favorites. Well, I can see why, Michelle. And thank you for sharing that beautiful gospel
1: message. Uh, it is so needed today, not only for people maybe who don't know Christ, but for all of us who do. We need to hear it over and over and over again. So um, thank you for saying that so beautifully and so truthfully and powerfully. Really appreciate that. Um, and that song, so beautiful too. How did you happen to come across that one? I, I wasn't familiar with it.
0: I think I first heard it on. Wretched Radio. I think that's where I first heard okay. it years and years ago. And it's uh, the recording you heard is from a, a an acapella vocal group called Go Fish. And I believe yes, I remember them. You do? Yeah, they as far yeah. as I know, they're still doctrinally sound. I mean, I've I've known of them for probably 10, 15 years now. And uh, they, they were doing, you know, they were doing like adult sort of music and then they did a children's album and it just took off and they started realizing how uh how poorly christian children's music is done or how little of it there was and so they dedicated themselves to just making good quality doctrinally sound Music for children, and it's really, really good. Their albums are good. Um, they're they're really talented, but and they also um, just for you ladies out there that are in children's ministry, they also have I think two or three different VBS packages. So if you're looking oh. for, yeah, I've done I think two of them um, when I used to to be the music director for our um, for our music in VBS. And the two that I can't remember the names of them, but the two that I did were very good and very doctrinally sound. So, you know, if you're looking for something, if you're tired of Lifeway and you're looking for something else or or whatever, uh, check that out. Do check them and make sure that they haven't gone south or anything like that with their doctrine or with whoever they're hanging out with these days. Because I haven't checked into that, but they were doctrinally sound at one time. So, OK.
1: So, yeah, oh, that's good. Go Fish.
0: Well, Amy, which song is your next favorite?
1: Oh, well, my second is um, also one that many probably haven't heard of, but it's a very old choral piece uh, for either a full choir or a quartet. Uh, no matter how it's sung, it's just beautiful. It's called O Magnum Mysterium, and the words are in Latin, explaining the beauty and mystery of Jesus's birth. And it's just a gorgeous piece to me, and it was sung by our high school choir back when I wasn't even a Christian, and the only thing I really knew about the true details of the Christmas story. I mean, beyond the cartoons from the 70s uh, and things like that came from the songs that we sang as a choir back then. Uh, I, I know God in his providence used those songs and their harmonies to begin to draw me to him. So let's take a listen to this. This, this song was uh, composed sometime in the 13th century. Nobody really knows exactly when. Um, translated in English, it speaks of the mystery of the incarnation witnessed by the animals in the manger. And yes, we know that Luke's account of what takes place that night doesn't really mention animals, kind of like our, our manger scenes that uh, you might have at home. But nonetheless, when I hear about this, you know, what I, when I think about this song, I hear those beautiful melodies. I don't think about cows and donkeys, but the miracle of Christ's birth as promised in the beginning. And so here are the words translated in English. "O great mystery and wonderful sacrament that animals should see the newborn Lord lying in a manger. Blessed is the virgin whose womb is worthy to bear the Christ the Lord. Alleluia.
0: Amy that is just gorgeous you know the 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 words are great the singing is great today was actually the first time i had ever heard this before and it's oh. just so lovely and uh, you know I, we we did my song before and it was a cappella and you didn't know i was going to do that song and i didn't know you were going to do this song and it's a cappella too yes. so we both like a cappella music <laughs> We do yep yeah. Um, You know, earlier I mentioned our Christmas Mythbusters episode, and another one of the issues that we addressed was whether or not Jesus was born in a stable. Bible scholars have determined that it was much more likely that Jesus was born in the area of a home where the animals were brought in at night or when it was cold. And that's why there was a manger for Mary to put Jesus in.
1: Yeah, and I've heard that some people say maybe Isaiah 1-3 alludes to animals being present at the birth of Christ. It might be a stretch, though. So let's see what you think, Michelle. The verse says this, The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you can really—but I've seen that several places where people say that Isaiah 1-3— I allude to that. Sorry. It's really not clear to me. How about you?
0: It's really not clear to me. And I would I would have to read it in context. Like we yeah. always want to tell our readers. I haven't read Isaiah one in quite a while. So um I would have to, I would have to read Isaiah chapter one and read verse three in context, like we would want our listeners to do. Did I just say readers? I meant listeners. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I, I can't really say for sure, but that's an interesting verse for sure. And, you know, there wouldn't have been a manger if there weren't animals somewhere nearby. So I think that part of the the song about the animals witnessing Jesus' birth, that's not in conflict with the biblical account. And it's, it's a beautiful song. And like I said, I love acapella singing. So that one's right up my alley. <laughs> oh,
1: perfect. Perfect.
0: Well, Michelle, what's your next pick for worst Christmas song? Well, I had never heard of this one until a year or two ago when a reader brought it to my attention, and to me, it is absolutely appalling. It's called The Most Inconvenient Christmas, and it's by the Oak Ridge Boys, who I actually have loved since I was a child. Um, the first couple of verses are the dad of the family talking about how you know everything's going wrong. Um, the presents they ordered were out of stock. They get in the car to drive to grandpa's and the car breaks down in a blizzard. And then they finally get to grandpa's and his Christmas lights have burned down the house and he has to come live with him. So it's a bit of a bizarre beginning to the song, but there's, you know, there's just all these inconveniences is the theme of, of everything that is happening here. But he, you know, supposedly is reminded that none of this is as quote unquote inconvenient as the first Christmas so what we're going to do is we're going to play the last verse and the chorus for you right now.
4: The most inconvenient Christmas ever was, was the first, the young girl expects a child she can't
2: hands down. The most inconvenient Christmas ever was was the first one when God came so far to give himself to us. So when it is December, how it helps me to
0: Listen to that again. The most inconvenient Christmas that ever was, was the first one when God came so far to give himself to us. So when the stress hits each December, how it helps me to remember God is with us most when things just can't get worse. The most inconvenient Christmas ever was, was the first. Wow. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? These guys are professing Christians and they churn out this theological cataclysm. Mm -hmm. I mean, when something is inconvenient, that means that it clashes with our previous plans or it's difficult to get done or it doesn't fit with our timetable or we had to go out of our way to do it or something like that. And because of all of that, it's an unpleasant task that we're reluctant to do. Listen, sisters, nothing Nothing is inconvenient to God, nothing. He is the God who upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is omnipotent, omniscient, everlasting to everlasting, God Almighty, King of kings and Lord of lords who spoke all of creation into existence. Sending His only Son into the world to live a perfect life and die a horrible, agonizing, bloody death for your sin and for mine was not inconvenient for God. It was His plan from eternity past, and it wasn't difficult for Him, and He didn't do it begrudgingly or reluctantly. He did it because He loves you that much, and He rightfully loves His own glory even more. I've been an Oak Ridge voice fan since I was a kid, like I said. I mean, come on, Elvira, all the gospel songs, come on. But this, this is one of the most offensive songs I have ever heard. It impugns the very nature and character of God. It is it is the reckless love of country Christmas music. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you, Michelle. In fact, um, a lot of country
1: music it just... Does just does murder to the Christmas story into the gospel in general when I've when I've heard yeah. it, unfortunately, um, you know. And I'm not even going to yeah. mention Grandma got run over by a reindeer because that's uh, <laughs>
0: but, <laughs> well, at least right. that one doesn't pretend to be a Christian yeah. song <laughs> or sung by Christians.
1: Exactly, exactly. So yeah, you just yeah. have to be very, very wise and discerning
0: out there, ladies. Ugh, I tell you what, <laughs> yes, yes, and don't listen to that song. Well, Amy, why don't you close this out with your least favorite Christmas? All right. All right. I'm just going to
1: play it. Here we go. Wait, 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 wait. I, stop, stop, stop. Not... Not that one, not I'm simply not having a good time and, and feeling very guilty <laughs> doing that to our listeners. So um sorry about that. Um all right, here here it is. Baby it's cold outside. This one right here.
2: I simply must go.
3: Baby, it's cold outside.
2: The answer is no. But maybe it's cold outside. I've seen this welcome as been. I'm lucky that you dropped so in. Be suspicious. My brother will be there at the floor. Waves upon tropical shore. My friends, are well, their minds are got vicious. The look oh, maybe it's just a cigarette more Now it's such a
3: blizzard. Before. I've got to
2: get home.
3: Maybe you'll freeze out there.
2: Why don't you lend me another coat? It's up to your knees out there. You've really been grand, but can't you see? Oh.
1: Baby It's Cold Outside has nothing to do with Christmas and everything to do with seduction between two unmarried people who, eh, they know it's wrong, but... You know, an interesting background on this one from uh, Wikipedia, of all places, it says the song is a call and response duet between two people, and the host is called the wolf in the score, um, usually performed by a male singer, and the guest is called a mouse, usually performed by a female. So you kind of see the power thing going on here. Now, the portion that I just played uh, was the reverse version, where it's actually Lady Gaga, who is trying to seduce actor Joseph Gordon. And love it so. Uh, some people think the lyrics imply date rape, at least through today's cultural lenses. And yeah, it does imply that. Um, and so here I'll I'll kind of put it together for you, kind of the the lyrics. Uh, so so the female who usually sings, you know, that she's the protester, she's protesting too much, I guess. She sings, "Really, I'd better scurry," and he responds, "Beautiful, please don't hurry." Her, well, maybe just a half a drink more. Him, put on some records while I pour. Her, the neighbors might think, and then him, baby, it's bad out there. And then she sings, say, what's in this drink? And he says, no cabs to be had out there. Her, I ought to say, no, 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 sir. And then him, mind if I move in closer? And she says, at least I'm going to say that I tried. And then he sings, what's the sense of hurtin' my pride? Her, I really can't stay, him, baby, don't hold out. And it goes on from there, Michelle. Uh, I will have you know that I have had to watch many different versions of this awful tune in the name of research for this episode. Everything from, you know, the old Dean Martin version to uh, there's one by Rod Stewart and Dolly Parton that's actually even worse as much as I kind of like Dolly Parton. It's actually just a horrible little tune. Um, So ladies, you are welcome. You are just welcome that I took one for the team here. And now I need to go soak my brain in bleach.
0: Yeah, thank you for throwing yourself on that grenade for all of us. Rod Stewart and Dolly Parton. I can't even imagine. I've never seen that one. I'm not sure I want to even try to look at it. (laughs) but (laughs) um, Yeah,
1: you might want to not.
0: Yeah. This song just kills me because musically, I love it. It's got such a great antiphonal structure and a catchy melody. And if somebody would have just put some uplifting or at least wholesome lyrics to it, it would probably be one of my favorites because the music is so good. But you're right. I mean, the man drugs or spikes her drink because he's trying to seduce, if not rape her. That's not playful. Mm -hmm. That's not funny. Ladies, you just go ahead and take a minute to think about how you would feel in that situation. It's terrifying, and we shouldn't be laughing it off in a so-called Christmas song. And look, I know it was written back in the 1940s, but that doesn't mean it was okay in the 1940s and we're too uptight about things now. It was wrong back then and it's wrong now. And saying so mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we're liberals or feminists or women who've jumped onto the Me Too bandwagon, all, you know, all of which I've been accused of for denouncing this song. It means I'm a Christian and we shouldn't be excusing or laughing at sin just because we feel nostalgic about a Christmas song. Oh, man, well, I agree. <laughs> well, there you go. Those are a few of our favorites and a few some of our not-so favorites. Listeners, which Christmas songs do you love or hate? Let us know on our Facebook, X, that's Twitter for those of y'all who haven't caught up <laughs> yes. yet. Or our Instagram page. Yes, we would
1: love to hear from you. We hope you had a lot of fun with us tonight. And as we wrap things up for this episode of A Word Fitly Spoken, we want to thank Amanda, who became a new Patreon patron on Giving Tuesday last month, and our other recent donors, Mary and Rhonda, who donated via PayPal. Uh, You are such a blessing to us. All of you are. We appreciate you so much.
0: Yes, big hugs and thank yous to those of you who've been so generous with your finances. If you'd like to help defray our podcasting expenses like these wonderful sisters, just go to awardfitlyspoken.life and click on the support tab. And while you're there, check out the speaking tab too. If your church would like to host a women's event and you need speakers, Amy and I would love to come and share with your ladies. Or we'd be honored if you'd recommend us to any solid churches, organizations, or conferences who might be looking looking for doctrinally sound women to teach and encourage other women.
1: We sure would. And listeners, this is going to be our last new episode for 2023. So as we close out this episode and the year, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your encouraging comments on social media and our podcast platforms. Thank you for sharing our episodes with other people. And thank you so much for your kind words when we meet you in person.
0: Yes, we love serving you in Christ through a word fitly spoken. And we love you, our listeners. We will see you. In- in 2024. And until next time, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, Happy New Year, New Year and, and Walkworthy. Worthy.